Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Discover More, where we strive to accelerate the learning process together through intentional dialogues. My name is Benoit. And my name is Aiden. This podcast was built on the foundation of approachable guests, synthesized experiences, and relatable lessons that will help you grow throughout your journey. Thank you for tuning in this week. We hope you enjoy and continue to discover more. We truly believe that there is no comfort without discomfort. And to minimize the fear, we simply have to lean into the exposure therapy, to the exposure piece. The more you expose to the territories of the unknown, the more you flirt with the idea of mortality, where it's a common practice in Stoicism, to be comfortable, you have to be uncomfortable and you have to be willing to face death, fear, anxiety, and stress in the face. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Discover More. This week, we have another episode of Discover More Books, where we'll be reviewing and discussing the book, The Impossible First by Colin O'Brady. The Impossible First tells the story of how Colin O'Brady became the first person to cross the landmass of Antarctica, completely unassisted and unsupported. The expedition spanned 54 days with absolutely zero companionship or supply drop-offs. This required pulling a 375-pound sled for 932 miles through temperatures as low as negative 112 degrees Fahrenheit. While the journey itself is powerful and inspiring, we believe the true value of the book lies in the lessons, mindsets, and approaches to life that Colin shares throughout his journey. When he was visiting Thailand at age 22, he severely burned his leg during a flaming jump rope accident. He was told he would never walk again, shattering his identity as a high-level endurance athlete. However, instead of focusing on the negative, his optimistic mother challenged him to set a goal and take the first steps during recovery. Colin set a goal of running a triathlon, a seemingly impossible goal for someone in his position. Through his patience, visualization, and hard work, Colin went on not just to complete, but win the Chicago Triathlon just two years later. This story illustrates the very ethos of the impossible first, that anything is possible if we remove the limits we put on ourselves. He believes that we are all the stories we tell ourselves, and by rewriting these narratives, everyone has the power to change what is possible. We highly recommend reading this book, not just for the entertaining story, but also for the profound and inspiring lessons that O'Brady shares. In this episode, we talk about some of our favorite quotes from the book, as well as they have related to our lives and inspired change in the process. We hope you enjoy. So Ben, where would you like to start? Yeah, uh, very well said, Aiden, and thanks for sharing. And uh, as everyone understands, our intention with these Discover More Books episode series is to distill and to highlight the books that we really thought was interesting for the month and to share how it was relatable to our experiences. So to first off, I'd like to share one of my favorite quotes from the book, and that was set in the beginning of the book as well. Beginnings are simple. You take a step forward. If you're going a thousand miles or a hundred yards, it's the same. And I chose that quote because I believe that all beginnings and the beginning of every journey, they all look the same. Because every step, every journey, whether it's relationship, whether it's business, or whether if it's in life, they all simply require a single action. The action and the decision to start. Every adventure and every hero's journey really begins with a decision, you know, to take the first step, 
in whatever the process and whatever the journey that you decide to embark on. And I think that quote really speaks to what Colin O'Brady experienced from his recovery from his journey to his signing up for his first triathlon in Chicago and eventually which led to his success and his achievement as the first man to complete his unfathomable journey to cross the Antarctica by himself, unsupported and without any assistance. And that quote also speaks to our journey as this passion project that first started. Our podcast of Discover More simply first started just as that, as passion project. But because we were able to, and because we were willing to take that first step to brainstorm, to sit down, to pitch this idea to each other, to put in and to commit the hours on a weekly basis to be consistent, that to me personally, and you also alluded this earlier in our past few episodes, that our passion project of the Discover More podcast have evolved from simply a passion project to now one of the most purposeful things that we do every single week. And to me personally, I believe this has evolved into a purpose project. Our podcast would have never evolved without the first step. And I think this quote, and I want to highlight this quote because I want to share to the listeners and everyone, all beginnings look the same and it all requires one simple action. And on that note, I want to share another story that brings back to when I first came to the United States. When I first came to the U.S., I went to a boarding high school in San Diego, California. The population happens to be all white, and I happened to be the first Asian and international students who came from uh, Europe at the time to be enrolled in the school. So there were a lot of bullying, and I encountered a lot of racism and stereotypes and microaggressions my freshman year in high school. And especially on top of that, I had significant challenges with language barriers because English was obviously not my first language and I came to the U.S. as an international foreign student. And that's when I discovered the beauty of American football as a sport. Most of our listeners are Americans, so I just wanted to explain that for the people that American football is unique to American culture. And of course, international speaking, when we think about the word or the terminology or the sport of football, we think about soccer. So I was mind blown and it's it blew my mind that there is a legal sport where you're allowed to physically hit people. And the whole sport was predicated on that premise. Because of the stress and because of the bullying that was so significant and that was happening on a daily basis during my freshman year, I simply needed an outlet as coping mechanism to cope with the stress, to cope with the bullying, to cope with all these. And I know I've shared this in the past that I found football and I found fitness as my avenue to cope with the stresses. When I first discovered this sport, I was very intimidated because I, I've had no prior experience. I've had no prior exposure to the sport. And as all sports go, the more exposure that you have, the earlier you start practicing or playing the sport, you become naturally good at it. And people tend to like what they're good at. And there was this Benoit Kim, a 15-year-old at the time, with zero prior experience with everyone else on the team who's white counterparts and who's bigger, faster, and stronger than he was. I did exactly what Colin did in this book, where I recognized that beginnings are simple. You simply take a step forward. And I simply decided to take my first step to make the decision to try out. And on a Monday, I simply went out and tried out for the team. I was pretty fast at the time. I was lightweight. I was pretty skinny. I was pretty short. 
I experienced, I was a late bloomer and I experienced my growth, I think my sophomore, junior in high school. But because of my speed, I was able to make the team and make the JV team at the time. And although I didn't play anything because of my lack of experience, I was eventually able to make it to the varsity team with years of hard work and playing for varsity football in my high school and getting second team All-State and the Defender Player of the Year for my varsity my senior year. And when I reflect upon my experience, playing football and football as a sport was my greatest coping mechanism and my greatest avenue to deal with my stress. And if I never took that first step, I would have never discovered my passion for a sport like football. But yeah, so those are the stories that come to my mind as I reflect on this quote. What about you, Aiden? Yeah, thanks for sharing, Ben. I think the really interesting thing for me is the way that both you and O'Brady talk about it being a simple step because it's simple in the fact that it's just action. But in reality, it's rarely an actually simple step. I think often the first step is the most difficult because for you, right, you didn't know what the sport was. You didn't know anyone on the team. You really had to jump into the unknown for this experience to begin the path of growing as a football player. Similar with Colin, he tells the story of the first night where he got dropped off in Antarctica. He called his wife Jenna crying and said, honey, we gave this project the right name, the impossible first. I can't move my sled. I can't get anywhere. Uh, Paul Rudd, the other explorer that he was competing against was already miles ahead making progress on that first day and he couldn't even move his sled so she advised him just to get to the nearest waypoint it was much closer than he initially anticipated for the first day's worth of travel but it was really getting to that first waypoint and setting himself up to make some sort of progress and then get up and reset and similar to you it was just jumping in getting that first step and I think that reminds me of what we talked about with Sarah about her business and how that the small wins build momentum, right? It is often hard or difficult to begin because there's so much uncertainty or so much of the unknown. But then once you jump in, you can have those series of small wins that continue to build momentum. And that comes back to what we talked about with two as well. It was his first property that he describes as the most difficult because you can always analyze so much the paralysis by analysis, as he mentions. But really, once he dove in, it just got easier and easier from there. So I think that's an interesting dichotomy to point out is that, yes, it is simple that the first step often needs to be action. But I think it isn't simple in that the first step is often the most difficult or the most complex really to take that leap. So for me, the thing that comes to mind, at least my experience with starting something new, is definitely around meditation because it was something that definitely didn't come natural to me. I certainly have a very wandering mind. I'm thinking and analyzing whatever experience I'm going through. So it was very difficult to me to sit on a mat, go to absolute silence and really focus on my breath. But it's something that's evolved into one of my most cherished habits. And I think for me, it was really not only starting, but then making a practice out of it, making sure that I came back, making sure that we continued that practice over and over again. So it's important to point out the idea of momentum, right? So every small win or every extra victory you have continues to fuel the journey going on. It's not that the act itself gets easier, but you get used to succeeding. You get used to checking that 
next box and continuing to move forward. So not only is it important to start, but it's important to really value those small wins that eventually can build the momentum so you can continue to progress in whatever goal or habit you're trying to develop. I agree. And I think Tony Robbins said this quote. He said, there is no decision without an action. And I think Tony alludes to the fact that you haven't made a decision to do anything if you haven't made an action towards that decision. Because it's not just enough to decide upon an action, you have to commit to that action. I think that speaks to your first venture into meditation, which also became one of my most purposeful and effective habits, uh, thanks to you as the, the guidance and the vanguard of inspiration. And I think that speaks to my attempt at trying out the football as my avenue of coping mechanism in high school during my severe and significant bowling days freshman year. And I think that speaks to our origin and the beginnings of our purpose project, the Discover More podcast, right? Without us committing to that idea, which was simply a seed of belief, a seed of imagination, we had to go ahead and reserve a handle on Instagram to make sure that we have a social media content. We had to go ahead and reserve a website. We had to go ahead and download the software to edit. And without all those seemingly tiny steps every along the way, we wouldn't have this product that we're recording on this Saturdays, which is one of the most meaningful things that we look forward to on a weekly basis. So I think with the quote that Colin O'Brady is sharing in the book and with both of her stories, I think it really speaks to what we shared in the beginning, that all beginnings look the same, no matter how big or small. It requires a decision and a first action, whatever that may be. Definitely. And once you take that first step, once the beginning is underway, it's really the process that we think is the next thing that takes place. So for Colin, it was the process of the next 55 days across Antarctica and all of the inevitable challenges that he runs into. So one quote that he writes that really stuck out to us is the following. Fear is a strange beast because so often it hinges not on the things we know, but the things that we don't. And that's so simply put, but such an elegant analogy because it not just applies to his experience in Antarctica, but really any human fear, any human action resulting from that fear. It's typically not of afraid of a certain thing, but rather the uncomfortability of not knowing what that thing is. So for Colin, he had never walked across Antarctica. He didn't have a set reference point or experience that would tell him how to exactly deal with the things that he was encountering. But it was his mindset that allowed him to move through these inevitable challenges. He talks specifically about how important it was for his self-talk to be on point during this journey because there was no one to give him companionship, no one besides Jenna to call into during their evening check-ins. But it was really what he was saying to himself on a continual basis, how he was responding to the challenges. For example, that first night when he couldn't get as far as he wanted, he couldn't pull his sled instead of being defeating, saying, I can't believe I failed on day one, that could have very easily escalated into a thought spiral and could have only made it two days. But really that self-talk that he had allowed him to reframe that situation and turn that fear of the unknown into a positive starting point and kind of like a refresh for the adventure going forward. It's important to discuss the idea that fear and doubts and anxiety and stress these are all components that's part of the process. And especially if you're attempting something audacious, if you're attempting something challenging and something profound and achievements like what he was attempting at the time 
to be the first human in history to conquer the fields and the frontier of unknown. And because of that, it was going to be natural for him to be fearful and to feel anxious about the process because no one has ever done this before him. And him as the first human to attempt this, fear was an unexpected component. And like you talked about, he was able to overcome the setbacks, the challenges, the mental battle with this mindset. And that reminds me of something that I've heard a while back and that's pretty common in the clinical psychology realm. If you were to examine a person's heart rate and his or her reaction to a certain event, the heart rate and your physiological responses look the same. Whether you're feeling extremely anxious towards a certain event or when you're feeling extremely confident and excited about certain events, the only difference is the attached expectations. When you have positive outcome, when you have positive expectations towards a public speaking that you're about to give, if you've put in hours of practices and if you're feeling extremely confident, you're going to feel excited and your heart rate will naturally increase the release of endorphins, uh, dopamines, the whole night. Vice versa, when you're feeling anxious about the public speaking event because of the lack of practices or because it might be the biggest and the most important speech you're about to give, you're going to feel anxious and you're going to feel stressed. And when you were to examine your heart rate, they also look the same. Your heart rate increases, endorphin releases, the dopamines. So your physiologically and the biochemistry look the same. The only difference is how you feel based on your expectations. And I share that because whether it's excitement or whether it's anxiety or fear, those are all going to be part of your process if it's a worthy process to tackle on. The only times we're going to feel not anxious and the only times we're going to feel absolutely normal is we're attempting something that we've been doing on a daily basis. So if we're doing the same thing over and over again, we're not going to feel anxious because we've done it. So what that means is the only way to minimize fear, the only way to maximize excitement and minimize stress and anxiety is to doing, is to repetition. It's interesting you mentioned that because Colin talks about that exact experience of how when he's setting up his tent in the middle of a blizzard, when it's negative 70 degrees outside, and if he loses control of the tent, his tent blows away and he's stranded in Antarctica, aka he isn't going to make it out. So what he does is creates a trigger of that anxiousness of instead of his hand shaking because of the nervousness of his tent flying the way, he tries to reframe it as a perspective of trigger for high performance. So not the anxiety, like you mentioned, but an elevated heart rate for the excitement of the opportunity to perform. So he's actually able to tap into these flow states where he can perform at a high level, make sure that all of his tent poles are in amidst the large wind gusts and really is able to look after his safety by looking inward and using that excitement for a fuel source of high performance. Yeah, and I think that also speaks to what Two Fam and our guest Matthias Weiss shared about, right? When we had Matthias on this show, he just finished an amazing feat, which is called Everesting, where he has to climb up and down the altitude that's equivalent to Mount Everest, uh, which was, I think, comprised for him about 160 miles of consecutive biking over 15 hours. And that was the most difficult task for Matthias ever. And Matthias, similar to Colin, is an endurance athlete and he loves this. He breathes this 
but he also was fearful and this was the first event for Matthias that he never knew he would finish. Similar to what Tu Fam, the real estate investor who was able to retire mid-pandemic in 2020 this year, right before he hit the age of 30, he shared the same thing is that he doesn't always know how he's going to juggle 40 different things between his 9 to 5 job when he was still working before he quit versus managing 10 properties, between managing the tenants, their situations, the circumstances. But what he knew for sure was that it will get done. And that's the same mindset what enabled Matthias to finish his feat of Everesting is that he didn't know he was going to finish, but he thought he knew he had the practices and he knew he had the physical ability to finish because he put the months of training and hours of practices in. And that reminds me of the quote. He says, instead of practice makes perfect, it should be reframed as practice makes permanence. What that means is it's not about perfection. It's not about perfectionism, but it's about you put in the practice, you commit the hours, you commit to the starting, you commit to the process that's going to enable you to cultivate or lean into a certain skill sets from the practices, which in the hopes that it will become permanent and it becomes part of your nature so that there is no uncertainty, so that you can minimize fear, anxiety, because you know you've put in the work and now it's time for you to showcase the work you put into in the process. Definitely. I think the idea of practice minimizing fear or going through the experience over and over again kind of diminishes the fear is a really powerful idea to have of like whatever that thing that you're scared of, whatever that thing that is providing a resistance is really just go out and do that thing. What really comes to mind for me is my experience with hiking. So up until I was probably 22, I was terrified, it's a strong word, but very scared of heights. Wasn't a huge fan of them, wouldn't really go in lighthouses, just like it wasn't really for me. And then I ended up booking a trip to hike in the Colorado Rockies, as well as like Zion National Park. And little did I know, like those hikes, you're on a hiking trail that's three feet long and off the side is just cavernous mountains of complete bottomless pit of just sheer mountain face. So when I first got there, I was shaking in my boots the entire first hike, like trying not to look down, just really like putting one foot in front of the other. But after the first hike, it got a little easier. After the second one, I was much more comfortable. And then finally, once the repetition, the practice of hiking, looking down, realizing I'm not going to fall, trusting myself to take that next step, the fear has virtually vanished. And to celebrate that overcome fear or to celebrate the victories I had throughout that hiking trip, we actually went skydiving in California at the very end of the trip to celebrate the fact that I overcame this fear. It's not the fact that that fear was no longer present at all, but I had trained my mind, trained my body not to elevate the heart rate, not to go into fight or flight while looking over the side. Or most recently, my experience with running, that was always the thing that I struggled with the most growing up, but really embracing that. I started running races a couple years ago, and this past month I've run more than I ever have, but it's that practice of overcoming the uncomfortable things, using that stress as a positive, and that's something that O'Brady certainly talks about within the book as well. I think just overall for the process piece, I think it's very important for us to recognize that humans have always been afraid of the unknown because they just don't have prior experience, reference, or foresight to depend on. And you know, a lot of times fear is often ever consuming and it could lead to what two fam shared about the paralysis of the mind and the body. But at the end of the day, we truly believe that there is no comfort without discomfort. 
and to minimize the fear, we simply have to lean into the exposure therapy, to the exposure piece. The more you expose to the territories of the unknown, the more you flirt with the idea of mortality, where it's a common practice in Stoicism, to be comfortable. You have to be uncomfortable and you have to be willing to face death, fear, anxiety, and stress in the face. That reminds me of another favorite quote from the book that really stood out to me. Uh, It's by Henry Ford. He says, he who says he can and he who says he can't are both usually right. And I think that speaks to the idea of Colin O'Brady's journey that talks about our journey with this podcast, with Aiden's hiking, with Aiden's first attempt at meditation, with my venturing into football in high school. The idea of impossibility and or possibility is entirely self-determined. And it is our personal responsibilities and it is our job to identify the potential sticking points, the potential pain points and to reframe them to growth points and we have to commit the effort the time and the energy to venture into the unknown to venture into the fear we believe that is the most effective way to conquer your own impossible first so what you said reminds me of one of my favorite quotes by an author and motivational speaker wayne dyer and what he says is There is one grand lie that we are limited. The only limits we have are the limits that we believe. So that aligns with all that you said, as well as Colin O'Brady's observation in the book of that were the stories that we tell ourselves. So for me, one of the things that I worked on a lot to re-narrate was the perspective around podcasting in general. When Ben initially came to me with this idea, I had the limiting belief that I was too shy or too passive to host a podcast to explain my ideas on a microphone, but really repositioning, rewriting that story to believe in myself, something that's more empowering to actually bring these thoughts to life over a microphone is kind of a transition and rewriting that I specifically had to work on and am continuing to work on throughout. So Another thing that really comes to mind is the idea of intelligence being fixed. There's tons of emerging research about intelligence can actually be improved, basically through neuroplasticity, which is your brain's ability to add cells and create new neural pathways. Your brain can actually increase its intelligence. You can get smarter by continuing to read, continuing to study. So it's that belief of one, intelligence is fixed, or two, intelligence is variable, and really gearing towards adapting that new story is going to ultimately allow you to become more intelligent in the long term. What Aiden just described is the idea of growth mindset. For any listeners out there who are interested in the concepts and the details of what Aiden just shared, we strongly recommend you to check out the book Growth Mindset by Carol Dweck. And we want to close out this episode with the ending quote from the book by the very Colin O'Brady himself. He states, Antarctica taught me that life isn't about maximizing our time at five, in the zone of comfortable complacency, hedging against fear, loss, and pain, but rather, life is about having the courage to embrace the full spectrum of all the ones and tens and the mundane moments in between. It's the key to unlocking potential and living fully. And this quote alludes to the fact that the essence of life truly lies between the ones and tens. 
And throughout Colin's journey and throughout the stories and the lessons that Aiden and I shared, all of our stories, all of our sparks, all of the magical moments when we reflect on this limited life that we have been gifted with, the tens are the ones that we've performed in the highest possible level. And ones are the ones that we've had the most stress. We felt the most anxious about our performance. However, it is the exact experience and the exposure to those ones and tens are going to give us this holistic and the full taste of life. Yeah, I think anyone that does rigorous exercise would resonate with this. Anytime that challenge is involved, it gives you more appreciation for the good things. So for me, that's why I take a cold shower every morning because no matter what the day holds, chances are a brutally cold shower is gonna be the most challenging thing that I face that day. Or running hills is another example. Like by experiencing those stressful things, you get accustomed to the difficult things, which allows you to enjoy the more pleasurable things. So I would definitely encourage anyone to seek out challenge. That I think is really important, especially right now when times are so uncertain with quarantine and the pandemic. So without struggling through the ones and twos of life, you wouldn't be able to enjoy the nines and tens. They're really crucial for learning, progress, and growth. As we are coming to the end of the episode, we really, really want to encourage and to remind everyone that whether it's your impossible first or Colin's impossible first or our own ideas of the impossible first, it's important to identify what it is that's challenging to you to identify the potential growing points and to put in the work and to turn that into a journey that's going to be ultimately fulfilling. Every first in the world took someone to redefine what it means to be impossible or possible. For example, the first man on the moon was Neil Armstrong on July 20th, 1969. The first man to run a mile in under four minutes, which was thought as humanly impossible at the time, was achieved by Sir Roger Bannister on May 6th, 1954. The first and the only person to date to free solo climb one of the tallest mountains in Yosemite National Park, El Capitan, which is 7,569 feet of altitude, was Alex Honnold on June 3rd, 2017, which could be found more on the Free Solo documentary, or whether it's Colin O'Brady conquering the impossible of crossing the entirety of Antarctica. All these four examples are mere reminders to all of us and all the listeners that Identify your impossible first, reframe your perspective, and live your own life that's filled with the ones and tens that Colin alluded to. And as always, if you made it to this far, truly appreciate your time, and we hope that you can pick up this book and enjoy the riveting plots and the stories that Colin even more elaborately describes aside from our episode. And as always, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to another episode of Discover More. We release a new episode every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and would really appreciate if you have subscribed and shared this with your friends. We hope you enjoyed this episode and join us next week in the journey of discovering more through intentional dialogues.